think sometimes when I'm um, discussing Nigeria, oh, before I would always be like, yeah, I love Nigeria. I just, you know, I love going back to Nigeria. And I, I just realized that like, I wasn't being specific enough because even like, what do I mean? I, I, I'm going, I love Nigeria and I love going back to Nigeria. I, I really haven't even experienced 90% of Nigeria. <laughs> and I'm saying I love Nigeria. Welcome to Collective Memory, where we explore the question of what it means to be Nigerian. In each episode, we'll attempt to answer this question by curating a range of perspectives on a single topic. Collective memories are the backbone of any society, helping individuals, communities, and nations to navigate their history and build their identity. Whether looking through the National Archives of Nigeria in Ibadan, or listening to family and friends tell stories of Nigeria, it's impossible to ignore the country's richness and complexity. With an estimated domestic population of over 200 million and a diaspora of more than 15 million, it's never been more important to capture the collective memories of Nigerians than it is now. Our guests for this episode include Karade, a Nigerian brand and communication strategist and freelance writer, Ayoande, a Nigerian consultant and podcaster, and Amanda, a Nigerian historian, curator, and lawyer. This episode is centered around Nigeria's cities, their development, and the role that internal and external perceptions have played in determining the face of Nigeria. When you think about Nigeria, there's one city in particular that tends to dominate the discourse, Lagos. While Nigeria is home to millions of non-Lagosians, as one of the world's most populated cities, Lagos often feels like the heartbeat of the country. It offers everything from work to play drawing in people from across the country, continent, and world. However, this Lagos bubble often takes the spotlight away from the many other vibrant and diverse cities and regions across Nigeria. Nowadays I say, oh, I love Lagos, or I love living in Lagos, I'm going back to Lagos so that people can know specifically, oh, you know, if I'm showing um, places in Lagos in my on my Instagram story. I'm very intentional about saying, stating that this is Lagos and this is, you know, this isn't everyone's perspective of of the country. I just, I'm also like, what is Lagos culture? Like, I, I, what is what is the what is the culture? Actually, <laughs> clubbing. I'm food. Before the creation and designation of Abuja as the country's capital. Lagos held that title. Located on Nigeria's southwest coast and built on islands around the lagoon, the city developed a reputation for being expensive, overcrowded, and dirty. Even with its apparent faults, Lagos was and still remains Nigeria's social and economic hub. It's crazy because Lagos defines Nigeria because they've done a bit more in terms of tourism. You go to Badagri. You know, you go to the slave ports, you go to, you come to the Mutamahami. Mutamahami Airport is in town, so you don't have to have that risk of going far to get into town. You know, they've got this fantastic nightlife, which is great for tourism, right? And the tourists can always leave the safety of, the relative safety of the of VIO 
or Oikoi, and then venture into the mainland to go and see iconic people who've also come from, from Lagos, which is like go to Fela's Shrine and places like that. So when you have iconic people who have emerged from a place, it then helps with tourism. You don't have many iconic people that have emerged from Abuja, you know, and those iconic people that have emerged from the East all ended up in Lagos. Lagos is where all the investments are coming in from, from, you know, other parts of the world. Lagos is the city that has definitely, um, you can see the difference. I always say to people that when I went back, I had a long stint when I didn't go back to Nigeria, Lagos. <laughs> and when I went back to, um, when I went back to Lagos, I was so surprised by just, you know, the high rises and the, um, new restaurants and the new clubs and the nightlife and all of this stuff that, that was just popping off. I just like Lagos because of the party life. And that's why I can't live in Lagos for too long. I can't stay. If I switch it, I'm going to work. I'm actually going to Nigeria next week. And I purposely asked them to book my ticket going to Abuja. Because if I go to Lagos, I will look for a reason to stay longer and nothing will get done. But, and it's fun. It's all fun. But the reality is it's a very dangerous place. It's a crazy place. It's, you can't also have too much of Lagos because you just have headaches every day. It's just crazy. I stay in a particular place because it's great because of the traffic. So I know how to work around the traffic. I know to leave. If I want to go to the mainland, I leave at a certain time and I can come back at a certain time. You know, if I want to go to Lekki from where I am, I can leave to that place. You know, that kind of thing. But not everybody has that uh, luxury or can do that, right? But Lagos is stressful. The city of Lagos has an estimated population of 14.8 million, around 14% of the country's overall population making it not only the most popular city in Nigeria, but also one of the most popular cities in the world. Despite Lagos State being the smallest state in Nigeria, it has the highest urban population, which is growing 10 times faster than that of New York and Los Angeles. Lagos State is predominantly Yoruba. However, it's become a socio-cultural melting pot of Nigerians, Africans, and foreigners due to its strong economy, strategic location, and socio-political importance. Lagos is primarily a Yoruba state because of the you know, Southwest. And being Lagosians, first of all, Yoruba people, we already think that like, you know, our culture is the best. We have the most respect. You know, we party the best. We do this the best. So we are always like, we're very like, you know, braggadocious people. So there's that to already contend with. And then, you know, being in Lagos, like people... Obviously, it's the most developed. It's the most that people feel proud of when they want to show their friends abroad or like demonstrate Nigerian culture. But and I think also with music, because the music industry and it's well, the music industry primarily, I would say, is in Lagos. A lot of the musicians that come out of, um, you know, Nigeria or, or get international exposure or even exposure across the continent, or like people that you know are rapping half in Yoruba, singing half in Yoruba. So that culture gets that level of, you know, global appeal or, you know, it gets the opportunity to represent Nigeria. Growing up in Lagos was definitely, it was fun. I loved it. And I still love it. I think that's probably my primary form of identification. If I have to say like, okay, I think of myself probably as a Lagosian first. Then maybe we can figure out the Yoruba, Evo, Nigeria, African, Black, Catholic. We can figure those ones out later on. But I think... For me, like Nigeria was Lagos for a very long time, but 
obviously I got to move around a bit and having like, you know, my mom, her family, knowing that my parents, you know, grew up in Ibadan. I had an uncle who lived in Joss and I'm so lucky that we got to go there. It was mind blowing, like, because when we got there, I couldn't believe that. I, I kept asking him, I was like, are we still in Nigeria? I was like seven at the time. And he was like, yeah, yeah, Nigeria. And then I would come back and he's, I was like, there are no fences. Like, what about loggers? Like, he's like, that doesn't happen in Joss, okay? It benefits Nigeria to have Lagos and Abuja be these trendy cities and all that kind of stuff because it allows them to stay relevant in the media and allows them to be talked about and allows, it helps their marketing of the country, right? And it, it begs people to want to come in and pour some money into the country. In 1976, as Nigeria began to feel the financial benefits of the oil boom, its then leader, General Mutala Mohammed, announced that a new city would be built from scratch in the center of the country. Nigeria's rulers believed that building a new city and moving the capital away from Lagos would help to unify the country in the aftermath of a destructive civil war. Many of the country's military leaders were also from the north and felt uneasy being based in Lagos, especially following the assassination of several leaders, including General Matala Mohammed. After years of stalled progress and wrangling over government contracts, General Ibrahim Babangida officially moved the capital to Abuja in December 1991. Abuja was meant to be a place for people to come and, you know, give another city a second chance because Lagos was just becoming too dangerous for IBB, people like IBB, um, dangerous for people like Obasanjo, I believe, was the head of state at the time, I believe, you know, and then, of course, after the attempt to kill, um, the attempted assassination of IBB, he now realized that he had to move to uh, Abuja. He needed somewhere that was secure, that was safe. So the villa comes with his own secret tunnels and things like that. So they moved. I mean, it was, it was meant to be a fresh start and decongest Lagos. But of course, Lagos has remained the economic capital and Abuja is just the capital. When Abuja was created, the first group of people that really were going there, apart from the people that were from that area, were Igbos. The Igbos were investing early. They were, the first hotel that was built there was by Igbo man, were buying houses. My mom worked in Abuja when I was younger, so I, I would go there kind of, I would say frequently, but more than I'd been anywhere else outside of Lagos. And it always felt, at the time, now it's different, at the time it always felt like a very like manicured city where People didn't really live there. Like people would go, go to work, go back to Lagos on the weekend. There were some people that lived there, but it just always, to me, I don't know if that was because it was my mother's experience. I was just always like, are there children here? Like, are there families? Like what's happening? It just looks like people are, you know, going to do government things and leaving. But I think now people have sort of, you know, started to lay roots in Abuja and sort of take it on its own. It definitely seems like a more of a Northern city at the end of the day. So. You can't like steal a culture from a place. I don't think you can, you know, want the culture to evaporate just so you can create this national identity. So I don't know if Abuja succeeded in doing that, but I think there are other ways that we can do that, especially as young people. Despite being touted as one Nigeria, Nigeria's north and south are plagued by economic and social imbalance. Nigeria's South is richer and boasts better socioeconomic indicators than the North. For starters, it's home to the Niger Delta, 
which has extensive oil reserves, and Lagos, the country's commercial capital. In contrast, the North's population is larger, but has some of the world's worst health and economic statistics due to deindustrialization and lack of investment in agriculture and infrastructure. In addition, a much smaller percentage of its population has access to education than in the South. A lot of people say, oh, if you haven't been in the North, you don't really, really know what Nigeria is like. Like, you, don't, you haven't spoken to people in the North, like their lifestyle is so completely different to how your lifestyle is in the South. So it's important to like have that varied experience. It could also just be humbling for you as well. Like, Lagos is a bubble to some people, especially if you're a part of a certain level of society. It is a bubble and you can really enjoy living in that bubble. But seeing other places in Nigeria where it is suffering and poverty and sh- like it's it's the, it's the part of Nigeria that the ugly part of Nigeria that they do talk about in the news where we're talking about people living below the poverty line and you're seeing like kids, you know, the child mortality rates are high and things like that. That's that's the Nigeria that we a lot of people who live and grow up in Lagos don't even know. Really amongst us people in the diaspora showcasing what it is that we like whereabouts it is in Nigeria that we go to and I think it is such a big problem because Nigeria is huge like when you really think about the amount of people that live in Nigeria it's ridiculous like <laughs> we're talking about 100 and, 150 million plus it is scary and trending upwards and there's 150 million plus people who do not live in Lagos or Abuja. They live in Nigeria and other parts of Nigeria. Nigeria's hospitality and tourism industries are still primarily based in major cities like Lagos and Abuja. Tourism across other parts of the country has been stifled by mismanagement, poor infrastructure and insecurity, among other things. In recent years, younger Nigerians have begun to fuel the country's domestic tourism industry by seeking out opportunities to travel to places less well-publicized. Just turn on CNN and they're talking about Nigeria. It's Lagos they're going to be talking about. They're showcasing artists and fashion, the Lagos fashion show. They're showcasing Lagos, um, you know, like food shows and things like that. They don't really talk about other parts uh, of Nigeria, right? Because it's not sexy. It's not sexy. The reality... Of other areas. If you come to Ikene, oh my, like, even Ikene is nice. It is actually nice, but it is not as sexy as Lagos. Like it's not, it's not somewhere that I would maybe, maybe I'd want to put it on my Instagram story for just like, oh yeah, this is my hometown, guys. Look at it. But it isn't, it isn't trendy. On the flip side, Nigeria also doesn't really help itself because. If you would just develop other areas, if you would develop other cities, if you develop in other states, if you actually use the money that is being budgeted to your state wisely, then maybe we would have other buckets and parts of Nigeria that would be as trendy and would be as sexy and would, you know, um, be marketed in the Western media more. For example, tourism in Nigeria is just one area that really we don't even tap into enough, enough, like I'm still so surprised when I see people who travel around Nigeria and they show parts of Nigeria and I'm like, what? Like, how is this in this country? Like how these waterfalls or like the greenery that you see all these, you know, really cool like um, hotels that you see in random locations and things like that. I'm like, how is this even in this one country? 
There are many tourist sites and attractions spread across Nigeria, such as the Royal Palace of the Yobar of Benin, Queen Amina's Wall in Zaria, and the Obunike Caves in Anambra. However, unlike other African countries such as Kenya, South Africa, and Tanzania, successive Nigerian administrations have invested little in nurturing the tourism industry. Although the government introduced visas on arrival and made efforts to improve power, road, and rail infrastructure, these steps have so far proved insufficient in making Nigeria more attractive to travelers. I actually had a project in Anambra State where I'm trying to build up Anambra tourism, right? Ebo, tourism from the east. So I did a job, I did a, um, a journey from Enugu Airport and I basically located tourist sites. And the plan was to do like a, a trial run. So like get 20 people from America who had traced their lineage back to the east to come. And I literally found different spots, beautiful places. And I just said to myself, why have we not taken advantage of our tourism? And as of two and a half years ago, when we did a, a country report, the east was the safest place. Right now, my work, my clients in the UK, the people in Nigeria, the home office here have said, I cannot, they're not going to sign it off. I cannot go to the East because of what's happening right now. So now the East is as unsafe as Zamfara and other places. You have to understand these things, I think, before you travel. A lot of people talk about, you know, traveling while black and you have to research a particular country before you go in there. I, I feel if you're going to travel around Nigeria, you need to research a particular state to know what it's going to be like and what you're going to expect when you go there. If you don't even have a big car, you're probably going to get stuck in a ditch somewhere and all that kind of stuff. And in Nigeria, you don't really want to be stuck in the middle of the road anywhere. The Nigerian government really needs to work harder in just developing other areas. Like there's so much potential in other areas, right? That isn't just Lagos and Abuja. That if we're just to be sensible with our spending and be sensible in how we organize these things, then maybe, maybe they can be on the rise and maybe they can be, they will be overshadowed. Popular events like a Rise Fashion Week, Eat Drink Festival and Artax create a sense of glitz, glamour and cosmopolitan living around the city of Lagos. However, the everyday reality of Nigerians, including those living in Lagos, are often far different. It's commonly said that no matter how rich you are, you can't outrun Nigeria's problems. That saying also rings true no matter where you are. As a result of challenges ranging from poor infrastructure to high diesel prices, what it means to be Nigerian is accepting that Nigerians all over share the same complaints and the same triumphs. Thank you to our wonderful guests and thank you for listening. If you'd like to add your perspective to the collective memory, email us at collectivememorypodcast at gmail.com. Share, follow, subscribe, and let us know your thoughts on this episode. We'll catch you next time on Collective Memory. Collective Memory.